week, this, this month, than I have ever before. The book of Esther, chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 10, says, And so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we are more than pleased to be in your house today, Lord. We just ask that you would be with us today. You would guide us. You would direct us. You would point us to the cross. Help us to preach today. Help the, help, help the ears of lost sinners hear your word, hear your message, and be drawn to that cross. Forgive me my sins. Enable me to be used at this time. Let us see your glory. All these things we ask in Jesus' precious name. That you might receive all the honor. Amen. Amen. Preaching a view of Calvary from Shushan. A view of Calvary from Shushan. Now we preached this morning. Those of you that were here and those that were awake. We preached on Haman as a type of the devil. But tonight I want to look at his death and see some comparisons to Calvary. And though I would not by any means call Haman a type of Christ, we can see him with multiple similarities between his death and Calvary. As a matter of fact, Haman, if anything, is probably, you would call him an anti-type of Christ. We said this morning that we can picture the devil. Where Haman was depraved, Christ was sinless. As a matter of fact, we understand that Christ the righteous died for the unrighteous, but Haman... The unrighteous died in the place of Mordecai, a righteous man. We see him depraved. We see him as the devil, but we see Christ. Or we know that Christ is the beloved Son, in whom the Father was well pleased. We know that Haman was a deceiver, yet Christ is the truth. We understand that Haman is dead, but Christ lives. So as we look at this verse where Haman was hanged on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai and the king's wrath was appeased, let's try to see Calvary. You know, uh, uh, not many people, as a matter of fact, I had never thought of this before as I was uh, reading through Esther and studying and, and looking up things and listening to things uh, 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 that pertained to the book of Esther, I found a sermon and listened to it, and a, and, and a man did just, did just this, a, a, a preacher did just this, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, you know, the first time you heard it, when we think of Haman, the wicked man, and we think of Christ and saying his, his death, we can see a lot of similarities between his death and Christ's death upon that old rugged cross. But the more you think about it, Haman was the enemy of God. 
And Christ died as an enemy of God. He stood, he hung in the place of sinners. He was made a curse. He was forsaken by God. Christ, not because of his own actions, was considered sin at that time. Let's look at these similarities. Now very, very quickly, there are some of these I want to brush over kind of quickly and others we want to dwell a little bit more on. We see his death and his station. His death and his station. You might recall as we've been preaching on this the last couple of weeks that Haman was made, we said it this morning, second in the kingdom, Christ, the companion of the, 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 the Son of God is considered second in the Godhead. Whenever the, they, they, they mention the Trinity, it always goes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the Scripture. He was considered second. That's all we're going to do to, to dwell upon that, just the, the close proximity that he had to the King. Christ who was able to do all things, but he subjected himself to the will of the Father, was obedient to the will of the Father. Even as he was obedient to the cross, he said not, my will but thine be done. Let's look at the death and its structuring. Our text there says that he was hanged on the gallows, what? That he had prepared. He had hung on the gallows that he had prepared. Now years ago, when we were still in Ohio, there was a lady that, that sang a song that I felt had a lot of meaning. Uh, and basically, the, the song, I believe the title was He Grew the Tree. And the song was talking about how Christ himself, as the creator, grew the tree upon which he would hang. As a matter of fact, all that he had created, he had prepared in order that he would die upon that tree. He grew the tree. He allowed the sun to shine upon it. He allowed the rain to rain upon it. He fed it. He nurtured it. Knowing full well that he would die upon that tree. Matter of fact, the people that he created. He knew that the people he created, he knew that you, 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 and you were all going to be the reason, be the necessity that he would have to die upon that tree. Before we ever sinned, before we were ever created, Jesus knew that he was creating a people for which he would not only have to die, but die upon the cross. It was all according to his purpose. It was all according to his plan. He created everything needed for Calvary except the sin for which he died, for which it was made necessary. We look at 
his death. And his spurning. In Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. Before we get there, uh, Esther chapter 7, we read verse 6. Just want to make sure I'm reading the right thing before we go. And. Esther said, now we, this was our text this morning, the adversary and enemy is that wicked Haman. And Haman was afraid before the king and queen. And the king arising from his banquet of wine and in his wrath went into the palace garden. Now, one thing that, that, that I will point out, I thought about this uh, as reading this and studying this over the last couple of weeks, that uh, we see the king rising up and leaving, going out into the garden before he did anything, before he made any judgment. And I think about how God is slow to wrath. How God uh, uh, is patient with us. But you'll notice that he had left. He had turned his back on Haman. He would not look upon Haman. In the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is one of those books you're thankful for tabs in your Bible, aren't you? Makes it a lot easier. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1. Verse 3. 13, rather. 13. It says of the Lord, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue, when the wicked devoureth, and the man that is more righteous than he. Just as the king could not look upon this one, this transgressor, this wicked Haman, we understand that God cannot look upon sin. As a matter of fact, when Christ was made sin, when Christ was made a, a curse, when Christ bore the sin of all his people, God turned his back. God looked away because his eyes were pure eyes. He could not look upon evil. Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. Now from the sixth hour into the uh, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As Ahasuerus turned his back, turned his eyes from, from, from Haman, God himself turned his eyes from Christ. Put out the very sun 
that he would not look upon him, nor could man see his shame. We see his death and his silence. Back in Esther chapter 7. Verse 8. And the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed wherein Esther was. Then said the king, Will you force the queen also before me in the house? As word went out of the king's mouth, he covered Haman's face. Haman was not able to explain what was going on, was not able to, to, to uh, uh, raise a word in his own defense. Christ was speechless. Not because he was unable to, but he was unwilling to speak in his own defense when he stood before men, stood at trial, willingly accepting the will of the Father. Isaiah 53. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his worth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears was dumb, so openeth, so he openeth not his mouth. Here is Isaiah prophesying that Jesus would stand before the judges, be accused before false witness, by false witnesses, and still never open his mouth in his own defense. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, Verses 32 to 35. Here is the Ethiopian, and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. He's reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 53. He, he's uh, uh, got some questions. He doesn't understand necessarily what he's reading. And he's reading the place in the scripture, verse 32 says. For it says, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, and opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life was taken from the earth? And the, the Ethiopian asked, the eunuch answered Philip, and said, or, um, said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? And Philip opened up his mouth opened his mouth, and he began to the, at the same scripture to preach unto him Jesus. That's the, 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 the point that we exist. That, that is the, the uh, Macedonian call that we sang about earlier today. That, that, is, that is the gospel that is to be preached to every creature. And people will say, why would you look at Haman and look at his death and, and preach Calvary from that text? Someone asked Spurgeon, how do you come up with your sermon? What do you think about it? He said, I take a text and I make a beeline to Calvary. That's what it's all about. That's what the gospel is all about, Calvary. 
Every time we preach, we should preach Jesus. As I told you, I believe it was last week, the rock up here says, Sir, we would see Jesus. This is what we need. This is what the world needs is Jesus. And it's shocking. And it's degrading. And as horrible as the death of the cross was. The songwriter said, George Bernard said, it has a wondrous attraction for me. He said, in that cross, there's a great beauty that I see that Jesus Christ, the righteous, would die for me. And yet he was silent. He spoke not a word in his own defense. Matthew shares this, Mark shares this, but we're going to look in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 27. As the accusations are made and the, and the false charges are made. Matthew 27, verse 12, reveals this. And when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, inasmuch that the governor marveled greatly. Jesus knew of his innocence. He knew that the falsehood. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what awaited him. Yet in his own defense, he spoke not a word. But the command for us is not to be silent. To preach the gospel. To tell others about Jesus. He spoke not a word in his defense. He spoke not a word for his deliverance in Matthew 26, 53. He says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. I'm thankful for the silence of the Lord. I'm thankful that he did not speak. But let us now speak for him. I'm thankful that he didn't seek pardon. That I might receive pardon. I'm glad he didn't justify himself. That I might be justified. Oh, the loud volume of the Lord that remained silent. Let's look at his death and its severity. Once again, we refer to our text in Esther chapter 7. So they hanged Haman upon the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. They hanged Haman. Now under the Old Testament law, that is the greatest punishment. The most severe punishment that could be levied against someone. In Deuteronomy 21, 23. 
That's three twenty-two as well. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and should be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that the land be defiled not, which the Lord thy God giveth for an inheritance unto for an inheritance rather. Under the Old Testament law, this was the most severe punishment. Not only were you killed, but you were considered accursed. Under the Roman law, the worst, the most severe punishment anyone could have was to be crucified upon a tree. In the book of Galatians, Paul makes the correlation between Deuteronomy and what happened to Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us as it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Not only did he die the death of the cross, he died the death of the accursed. In the Old Testament, we have the, the examples of Haman. We understand that uh, um, Absalom, not by the, the, the word of the law, but by the, by the justice of God, hung and died upon a tree. The sons of Saul were hanged. Jesus was crucified, was made a curse. Think of the severity of his, his death. Now Haman died for his sins, did he not? Haman died because he had opposed God and the people of God and sought the destruction. And we said that, that Satan will meet the same end and be cast into hell. We think of the severity of death. But the death of Christ, he didn't die with his own sins upon him. Those that die without Christ will die for their sins, but he died for the sins of all of his people. Every single sin of everyone that he would redeem were placed upon him, were nailed to the cross. And he who knew no sin had all that sin placed upon him. His death was substitutionary. It said he was hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. This was a death that was intended for someone else. The wages of sin is death. The intent was they were going to hang Mordecai. But he died in Mordecai's place. He died in the, in the place that he had prepared for Mordecai.
Christ, we know, died a substitutionary death. And never forget that. You know, we, we preach that, we talk about that, and, and, and we need to, re- you know, there are, there are some that give other relevance to the death of Christ, but he died in our place. Second Corinthians five twenty one. For it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin, according to Second Corinthians five twenty one. He did no sin according to first Peter twenty twenty two or two twenty two. In him was no sin, says 1 John 3, 5. This was a completely sinless man. Yet he died in my place. The righteous died for the unrighteous that we might be made righteous. His death was satisfactory. Our text says, then was the king's wrath pacified. His wrath was pacified. He was satisfied in the death of Haman. God the Father was satisfied in the death of Jesus. Isaiah 53.10 says, God was well pleased in, 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 in his death. Let's look at that real quickly here. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put on him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The scriptures tell us that he, he, he spared not his own son when sin was found upon him. He was pleased in his death. He was pleased in his life. Throughout his life, the father would look upon him and say, Behold, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. He was pleased in his life because he was perfect and he was obedient. And he did all and he was righteous, but he was pleased in his death because it satisfied the requirement of sin. Because we said the wages of sin is death. But this verse goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life. It doesn't stop there. Jesus Christ our Lord. We are redeemed because God is satisfied with the sacrifice that Christ made upon the cross. And yet people want to add. People want to add to that death on the cross like we need to add more. Either his death was sufficient or not. No, they say, well, you, you, you have to Continue on in good works. Scripture says we're saved to the uttermost. You have to join a church. You have to be baptized. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to take uh, a communion. You, you, you have to, you have to, you have to. No. He died and the king was appeased from his wrath. 
We are not appointed under wrath, the scripture tells us. Why? Because Christ died for us. We will not suffer his wrath. We will not spend one nanosecond in hell paying for our own sins. Nor can we pay for them in our own lives. Because our righteousness, as I often point out, are filthy rags. God was satisfied. Now when you think about temple worship. The high priest would take the blood that he had from the slain lamb. He would go into the Holy of Holies and he would offer it up. He would place it upon the mercy seat. And after he was done with all his duties, then and only then, the high priest would sit down. According to the book of Hebrews, our high priest is set down. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because the work is complete. We do not work for our salvation. We work because of our salvation. According to Ephesians 2.10. He was well pleased in his death. We sang two songs. We, we sang those specifically tonight. We sang the old rugged cross. But we also sang, when I see the blood. It is a picture. My mom has said, you know, for years, it's, it, it's only been in the last 30 years or so, she was in church one day, they were singing that. She, well, they're talking about the Passover. The nation of Israel were, were commanded at the Passover to take the perfect spotless lamb without spot, without blemish, and, and slay that lamb. Consume that land and take the blood of that lamb and paint it upon the sides of the doorpost and over top. And when the judgment of God, when the death angel flew over and he saw the blood, judgment was spared. That house was passed over. God was satisfied with the death of that lamb. And God is satisfied with the death of the lamb of God. Who is without spot and without blemish. Finally, his death is celebratory. Now, we generally don't celebrate, you know, they, they have now, they talk about the celebration of life, celebration of life. They're trying to minimize death and, and the severity of it. And you see these commercials, oh, we didn't have a funeral, we had a celebration of life. Yeah, we, we, we celebrate people's lives. But don't overlook, don't overlook death. The king's wrath was appeased. 
But the reason why we celebrate, the reason why we sing songs like the old rugged cross and how, how, how we see the beauty in the cross. Even though it was old and it was rugged and it was harsh and, and, and the one that we loved died upon that cross. Because of that cross, we have eternal life. Because of that cross, this is in Hebrews 9.12, by his blood we have obtained eternal redemption for us. Hebrews 9.12, Isaiah 53.5 says, by his stripes we are healed. So the death of the cross was a horrible thing, and yet we celebrate that death because it bought our redemption. And not just his death do we celebrate. If he just died, that would be one thing. But Paul said if there wasn't a resurrection, we'd be the most miserable of people. We read that Haman was hanged. Upon the, the, upon the, the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. We read that the king's wrath was appeased, but more than that, we go on to read on that day that, uh, that King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman to the Jews. The enemy unto Esther the queen and Mordecai came before the, the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring that he had taken from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. We celebrate not only because the king's wrath is appeased, not only is his wrath appeased, but because of the death of Jesus Christ. We now wear the royal ring. We are now put in a place of prominence. We now rule. As a matter of fact, as I preached this morning on Haman as a type of the devil and about how he lifted himself up in pride, I neglected to mention that his station as an angel is not only to serve God, which he threw that away, but it was also to minister unto us who are the heirs of salvation. Satan, who would not take upon the form of the servant, yet Christ took upon the form of a servant. And we obtain royalty by the death of Christ. Chapter 9, verse 17, they instituted a feast on the 13th day of the month of Adair. And the 14th day of the, uh, of the same rested they and made a day of feasting and gladness. We are now feasting. And the feast that we're having now is nothing compared to the feast that awaits us. Haman died a death that was intended for someone else. Christ died a death that was deserved by someone else. 
But Christ did so willingly. Christ did it because he loved us. Should we not, because of that love, be drawn to him? Show others it. Be, 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 be a, a, a faithful to him who is faithful to us. Would you stand?